Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. Welcome to episode 84 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. I'm so pleased to welcome back Mr. Chris Butterworth, one of our world's leading experts in creating a sustainable continuous improvement culture within organizations. Today, we talk about Chris's new book in partnership with Peter Hines and Morgan Jones called Why Bother? Why and how to assess your continuous improvement culture. Let's get into the episode. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Brad. You're welcome. And many thanks for your kind words. Um, oh, appreciate it, mate. I'm so looking forward to the chat today. Hey, Chris, what we, we, we met on the show a, a year or so ago. Mate, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Oh, uh, a lot, a lot of work finishing the book. It's surprising how long it takes to write the book, uh, and uh, it's really great to get that that into print. And um, I've also been enjoying the opportunity to travel the world virtually. So I've been doing lots of uh, assessments uh, with teams around the world and various organisations and sites. So really enjoying meeting all those different people and learning a lot myself from each one. So then that that's been good fun. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, it's a new world, isn't it? With being able to yes, yeah, you know, take your knowledge and capability and people drawing it from all parts of the world through technology like Zoom. Yeah, absolutely. And adapt, being able to adapt it and learn, and you know, it's not quite the same, but you can still get a really good experience. Yeah, oh, it's 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 a totally new world. What we, than what we were dealing with two years ago. Chris, yeah. what what are you focused on now? Like you've got the book um, coming out or released. What's what's moving forward for you? Yeah, so um, working on a new series of papers with Peter Hines and uh, two other collaborators, Caroline Greenlee and Cheryl Jekyll, and we, we're focusing on what Peter's called the people value stream. Mm. So we've got a paper coming out in the, in the International Journal in a couple of months' time, and we're currently working on the next one. So it's about a series of six or seven papers all about the focus on explicitly on people, and, um, for example, the next paper is all about um, physical and mental well-being in the workplace and, and how to create, create that for people. So that, that's a really interesting area. And I'm um, also continuing to do this quite a few virtual assessments and kicking around a few ideas with, with potential uh, co-authors for the next book. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, mate, I'm looking forward to talking about the um, book that's just, just out now, Why Bother?, and um, the key question for me, mate, and for the listeners is, you know, why bother to assess your organization's continuous improvement culture? Like I know yeah. so many organizations, they go down a continuous improvement journey, you know, and they don't, they don't really assess it. You know, they just sort of fly through it. What does creating an assessment approach and bothering about that actually create for you? That's it's uh, for me. It's been a real learning over the last few years. Just how critical this is as a system for sustainability. And I look at the organisations that have managed to embed a culture of continuous improvement. This is one of the key things that they do. Um, um, what the reason for the title? I've had quite a few questions about the title, and, and the reason for that is that often the reaction when people say, "Oh, we're going to do an assessment," they immediately think it's an audit, and they go, "Oh no, not something else from head office. What are we going to have to do this time? So it's going to create a lot of extra work for us, and it's a waste of time." And unfortunately, quite a few are. 
And uh, we're going to the book, the reasons why that is, so that, and uh, what we can do to avoid those traps. And the other issue is that lean assessments, or more often called lean audits, are often just that. They're an audit of the application of a particular tool or a suite of tools. And they only get you so far. We firmly believe that you can't actually embed a culture of improvement just by assessing the tools. We've got to start looking at the behaviours in the systems. So what what we're doing here is saying that um, let's look at have we got ideal behaviours? If we've not got ideal behaviours, why? What is it that needs to change in the systems that help derive those ideal behaviours? So, so yes, we, we, can, we do need to look at the tools as well, but they're only a very small part of what we need to assess. So the, fundamentally, what we're doing here is a, a plan, do, check, act of our continuous improvement culture. We plan to implement some changes. How's it going? Let's check. And we're going to do them. Let's check them and then act and revise it and refine it. So it's a very high-level PDCA process. And as part of that, we need to understand what's working well because we then need to replicate it and build on it. And really importantly, we need to understand what's not working as we expected. And there are always things that don't work as we expect. If we don't have an assessment system to find that out, the danger is it just fades away and we suddenly still say, oh, hang on, this hasn't worked. What's gone wrong? And so so we've got got to constantly check it. And I like to think of a mindset of experimentation. So when we're doing an improvement, chances are it might not work. So think of it as an experiment. And if the experiment didn't work, fine. What have we learned from it? You know, if everything works without us really realizing why, what are we going to learn? So let's let's understand that actually it probably won't work in some areas. Take that as a positive and do a really good lesson learned from it. Yeah. I think Chris, like, you know, I've been myself involved in deploying continuous improvement journeys in organizations. And and you know, you look at it, mate, and you look at sport, right? No one goes to start to play a game. And they're instantly at their peak of their game. You know, you don't pick up a tennis yeah. racket and all of a sudden you're Roger Federer. <laughs> Great analogy. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you want to keep it? practicing. Why yeah. is it, do you think, but in organizations that we, we think that, okay, let's deploy lean or agile or Six Sigma. And we think that we're going to roll out some training and coach. And then all of a sudden everyone's going to be Roger Federer. Or it's just going to keep going forever. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> The triumph of hope over experience. <laughs> well, you know, it's it takes time. It takes time to change culture. It takes a lot of managerial time and, and investment of the most precious resource, which is the time. And there's a there's probably a tipping point as you go through levels of maturity. We talk through through five stages of maturity, where, where you know one is just starting, and five five is where it's embedded as a way of life. And if you get the top end of stage two, stage three, what we see is many organizations, they're at an inflection point at that that stage. And it might be 18 months, two years in. But you can't carry on doing exactly the same thing at that point that you've always done. Unless you actually, especially if you've started implementing tools or a program, if you then continue to do the same thing, it will just die and fade away. At that point, 
tipping point, you need to change the emphasis significantly to focus in on culture and systems. Mm. What and because that is how you ex, then embed it. Yeah, and that's that's what we that's one of the other reasons for why I bother looking at it. You know, what is it that we need to do to tr- drive the right behaviors in the organization? Yeah, Chris, I've seen a lot of uh, lean assessment tools where they are assessing purely, you know, 5S or Kanban or uh, some elements of just-in-time or whatever it may be. What is the difference when it comes to assessing behaviours and systems versus the traditional tools and technique-type assessment that that most of us are aware of? Well, if you think about tools and techniques, you're assessing the what people do. what, what, What are they doing? When you, when you look at a systems, you're assessing how do they do it. And when you look at behavior, you're assessing, really looking at why are they doing it. And it's far more powerful to look at those why and hows. And they're connected. Oh, they're all connected. I'm not saying never, never assess the tools at all. I'm saying we need to take to another level and assess systems and behaviors. And systems will drive behaviors. So we think about it when a very small level even when, whenever we make a continuous improvement change, we're going to change a process or a system. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. So we're going to change the way people work. And we're not, we, might, we might give them a different tool, but usually we're also going to do that as part of a system change. So when we're going to make that change, what well, do we sit down and say, okay, well, what are the ideal behaviors that we want as a consequence? In fact, even before that, do we say, what's the purpose we're trying to achieve here with this change? And what's the purpose of this system? When we're clear on the purpose of the improvement or the system, we can then say, well, what are the ideal behaviors that we are looking for that will deliver that purpose? And when we're clear on those, then we can make sure we design the system that supports them. Now, will we get it right? All the time, probably not. We want 100% right. So again, that's why we need to assess it and say, okay, well, we thought that that would drive X behavior. It hasn't. Why not? Or it's not quite what we were looking for. Why not? What do we need to adjust in the system to get the behaviors closer to ideal? That's what we're assessing. Yeah, I like that. I love that statement you made just there of the behaviors about the why. So why is someone doing it? What are they mentally thinking? What are they doing with the way that they're actually engaging with it? Even down to attitudinal type of bit elements, isn't it? Yeah, how are they absolutely. operating it and how are they engaging with it, which comes to the system? And the what is just the tool they're using to do the job. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And what you're saying is that really where we need to start is why. Yeah, absolutely. Every time. That's cool. So go into it with, okay, well, why, why do we want people to engage with this? And what, what do we want them to be thinking and feeling as they're engaging with it? And then bring back to go, okay, well, how would they engage with that system? And how should we even deploy or work with that system to get that outcome? Yeah, that's neat. And then the final bit's the tool. That's the easy bit. Yeah, that's the easy bit, yeah. And we often start with that because it's the easy bit. Huh? Yeah. We give, and we replicate a tool that's been used somewhere else, possibly for something differently or in, in an environment that's completely different. And then we don't consider the what and the why and wonder why the tool doesn't stick. Yeah. 
Well, when you explain it like this, it's so simple. You know, it makes so much sense as to why it's been so troublesome and not work so effectively in the past. Chris, with, um, with taking this approach of starting with the why, then the behavior, then coming down into the how, the system, and then the tool really is inconsequential. It'll come into play when, if it comes in, what comes into play. But how do, you, how do you go about forming up a maturity index, your own assessment based on this? And there's another question I got on this too, but what's, what's your thoughts on that? So um, I think the, the key thing is to be really clear on the purpose. Um, you know, why, what is it that we want to achieve with the assessment system? Is it, is it an, an audit and a check-up on people? Or is it actually uh, something that's uh, meant to be a, provide value uh, and be a, a something that people pull for? And... Key, so key to that is be clear is define who the purpose who the customers are of the, of the system because yeah, it's not the continuous improvement team it often is done that way we need an assessment so that we can check how well people are doing the things we've told them to do to be paraphrased and, um, whereas it's not it shouldn't be it's like okay let's the customers of this are the people in the business so that we can help them to understand how to, how to make further improvements and, or also help us to understand what is it that we've taught them that hasn't worked properly because we haven't and we might need to find a different way of teaching it. So who's the customer? When we're clear on who the customer is, sit down with them and talk about what is it they would really value most from an assessment system. Yeah. Voice of the customer activity, as you know, as you say in your own book, let's let let's understand what is the cus- the customers really would want as an output from this system. Yeah, and co-design it. It's code co-design with the customer, uh, so that they actually value the outputs yeah. from it. Yeah, you're actually in a way, mate. You're helping them create a vision in a way for the future of yep. what excellence is for them. That's aligned to their customer, and yeah. as you're doing it you're honing in on the the behaviors that we need yeah. to be achieving excellence and what the systems would be to enable that. Oh, absolutely. That's I mean, the, you know, some examples from your own uh, background and you know, the, the way that you measure sales teams has a massive impact on the behavior within those teams. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that, that's just one, one example. That happens all over every organization. But, and it happens often because we just don't explicitly think about it. Yeah. We don't explicitly think about the design of the system in context of what are the behaviours we're looking for. Mm. When I completed the Train the Trainer course with Scrum Inc, Doc Sutherland asked me to set up a community to get better together in this region. He believes it is a vital key to ongoing success, actually helping people take the red pill, as he calls it, not the blue pill and going back to sleep. We want to help you get better through training and then also together through the community, which also links you with Arby and Jeff and many other experts like Peter Hines and Wendland Gellsworth that we've had on the show. You know, the community is key to keeping us all together regularly, supporting each other together with our world's experts and helping us create a better future through our organizations and everything we do. In the Enterprise Excellence Academy and community that Em and I have set up, we have the four courses ready to go. 
If you're keen, again, go to enterpriseexcellenceacademy.com and contact us or join the community. Get onto a course and I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye for now. And Chris, I've Chris. The one thing I think what's so powerful with what you have done here in the book that you, Peter and Morgan, have written is that if we all talk about Toyota, okay, we talk about Toyota a lot. And if you think of what Toyota and team did, they didn't go out and come back and bring back the Ford operating system to Japan and say they didn't call it the Ford operating system and they didn't call it the the Deming operating system or the Deming system. They came up their own way, which was based on their vision of the future, and they called it the Toyota way. And I know, mate, that you've worked, you're working still with some major, major organizations in our world, and you've also worked with mid to small, and you're now helping them form up their way. It's not lean. <laughs> it's not even agile. It's not Six Sigma. It's not Toyota. It's, it's their way. There's power Absolutely. in that, mate. What is the power yeah. in that? In an organization, not trying to just merely take something off the shelf and you know, put it through the organization, but taking the time to understand the voice of their customer, create that vision for the future and build their own maturity index linked to that. What's yeah. the power of that? Make it their own. Make it their own. Well, it makes it something that they own and value, you know, and they, they can actually put their own language into it. Every, every organization has its own internal language and culture. Um, and rather than cut and paste, you need to base things on principles and apply those principles into your organization. And, you know, there's some very, very valuable external assessments still, you know, the, the ISO assessments, the Baldridge assessment, the Shingo assessments, they're all very useful assessments. And I'm not saying don't use them as, as well, because you know, that external validation is really important. But, the danger is if you if you only did them without actually building your own system, again, they, they might be seen as being done to people rather than being what you're doing for yourself to create your own system. Yeah, yeah. I've experienced it to myself directly, Chris, where I won't name the assessment, but with an organization I was with, we got fired up about a particular external assessment and we purely went down that external assessment assessment path, which went very well. But a number of leaders changed. One or two new ones came in and they said, oh, no, we don't want to do that external assessment. We want to use this other model from over here. And all of a sudden, there's this different model coming down the company. But with the approach that you've written about and why bother, I'm predicting and I'm also seeing with other organizations I know you're across, that's going to be very hard to do when the whole organizations come up their own way, their own language that includes the systems they've already got They've just actually detailed them out to how could they, what would excellence be? It's going to be very hard for it to just be dropped and something else brought in. I, I agree. It's, it's, part of, it's part of embedding the culture in the organization. And I think, I think things like the shingle, the shingle prize assessment are fantastic to do as a verification of where you are on the journey, you know, because there's a, you, you do need that external key as part of the assessment process is, is getting external benchmarking insight as well. Yeah. But the phone gives you a very much a very solid foundation to improve your culture if you've created your own system in your own words and you're constantly applying 
plan, do, check, act to the system itself to constantly improve the system. Yeah. Because the other thing I'm thinking about, Chris, on the with the book you've written, if a company is operating today and they're doing work today and they're still alive today, there's some good stuff in their company. You know, it's not as if everything has to be brought in new, is it? Absolutely not. No. No. It's always, you know, every company has good stuff in there. Um, so let's 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 make sure we understand that good stuff and harness it and, and, and spread it. Um, and it's far better to to build. You know, let's build on the positives as much as just decry what's not working. Yeah, I don't I don't want to name a poor tennis player, but that you know they they may have an existing system that's been going quite well, some existing behaviours, but it's the uh, B grade Brisbane tennis player comp. And we're going to help them, you know, they help build up an assessment that's going to get them up to Roger Federer. <laughs> Absolutely. Because often when it comes down to it, I think there's, it, 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 it's often the case that there's systems running in a company that can be good, but we're not measuring are they getting better. And no. there's that other factor of the law of entropy, isn't it, that can play out too if, if something like that doesn't come to play, you know, the old... Second law of thermodynamics. Absolutely. And the other risk is that we focus on when something doesn't go, as we'd hope we focus on who rather than why. When we're looking at the system, when we're asking why, we're looking at what's gone wrong in the system rather than blaming the person, which is also really important. Yeah. Chris, we're, very, we're... very few people come to work to deliberately do a bad job. Most people want to do a good job. So have we designed the system to help them to do a good job or not? Yeah. And Chris, I'm guessing too, mate, just on that, that conversation there, the, you know, you, understanding root cause language and being able to use root cause thinking is so important on this type of journey too, isn't it? Like it's sort of a, it's a given, isn't it? Being able to actually yeah. look at the system and get to the root cause yeah. rather than start that blame type level. Absolutely. And the, the other key thing, that, you know, once we've got that, we, we looking at the system, we, we, we decided on it, we decided on the purpose we, we look at the ideal behaviours, we design the system to try and support those ideal behaviours. What we then also need to do is introduce key behavioural indicators. So how are we, how are we monitoring the system on a, the behaviours in the system on a day-to-day basis, not just uh, whatever frequency we choose to do a formal assessment. So it's got, uh, you know, and, and the KBI reviews would be part of the, the formal assessment, but actually the KBIs are a, a daily assessment of how are we doing against the bit, our ideal behaviours? Yeah, that's powerful. And we spoke a lot about that in our previous episode with, you know, getting down to that KBI. But really what you're saying is the KBI gives you that short-term daily, if not hourly, gauge and energy yep. that then supports the more mid-term review or assessment that's happening on the maturity model. Absolutely. Yeah, it gives you that multiple speed of energy to keep moving forward. Chris, in the book, in the book, you write about a lot of the skills and techniques of actually doing assessments, mm-hmm. and I thought that was quite um, good because, you know, you can do an assessment, and I, I do assessments, and they can be poor or they could be good. And but what what's very powerful in the book is you've actually given knowledge and expertise on how to do it, how to do calibration, how to do some amazing techniques, but then also how to continuously improve how you do assessments. Do you mind explaining that a little bit for our listeners? I think um, 
I had a, I did a talk a few years back and I had an amazing question from uh, someone in the audience. And they said, um, should we apply continuous improvement to our continuous improvement process? <laughs> and, and, and it sounds really obvious, but actually we often don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, 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 I said to him, that's, that's the best question anyone's asked me. That's really superb thinking. And the answer is yes, we have to. It's, 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 we, we need to constantly look at what we're doing, how we're doing it, and why we're doing it. And is there a better way? So, so you know, we build an assessment process. Now, if you think about a journey, it might be a five-year journey. Is the assessment process in year three going to be exactly the same as it is in year one? And if it is, it's unlikely to be hitting the mark. So what we need to be doing is refining it. Now, I'll say constantly changing it. It needs some, a little bit of stability, but regular review. You know, so maybe annually, right, what, what's the next phase in our journey? What are we trying? What's the purpose for the next 12 months in our journey? What do we need to adjust in the assessment system to make sure it's driving us in the right direction? Yeah, that's cool. Continuous improvement for your continuous improvement program. Yeah. Yeah. It's logical, isn't it? But how often is it thought about? Yeah. And so really what you've written into the book is continuous improvement in relation to how you're assessing your continuous improvement journey also. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's brilliant. I know I've been on, I've been on the receiving end of those from organizations that you've worked with, Chris, and I've valued every bit of feedback that I've gotten, mate. It's been Help me improve and grow. Well, that's the other great thing you see. A good, a good assessment is a learning opportunity for the assessors as much as, as the organisation. So what's really good practice, and we talk about this in the book, is to actually include people in various levels around the business as part of the assessment team, second them in to do assessments. Everyone that I've done that with has gone, oh, wow, that's a fantastic experience. I learned so much. And that's so that is it's also it's also part of the learning and development program, a good assessment system. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Chris, we we've spoken about you know the, the why bother with assessments and you know bringing those assessments or those reviews to behaviors and systems. And I love that element you spoke about with the why, how, what. Uh, focus on that. We've spoken about you know the the part of actually getting down to KBIs to have that constant daily fuel on it with the assessments after that. Now, we've also spoken about improving your assessment and actually continuously improving that that you wrote about in the book, which is that whole review and reflection approach. Let's call an end of this episode and cover more about leadership and chat about some specifics with KBIs and KPIs in part two. So thanks for a great episode, Chris. Thanks for helping us create a better future. We'll chat again next week. Bye for now.